Hello and welcome to another episode of Creative Waffle Podcast. Today I'm joined by Dan Evans. And in this episode we had a really good chat about the industry, working with clients, um, health, mental health and also physical health, uh, Instagram likes and how that affects your work and, and how you perceive the whole industry. We also talked about bad advice, college, university and his education and a bit of Dan's story too. So before we get into the podcast, we'd like to mention a few ways you can help out the show. First of all, we'll be sharing it around on social media, taking a screenshot of your screen, posting it on social media and tagging at Creative Waffle showing your support for the show. Secondly, we'll be leaving a review on iTunes that also really, really helps the show in rankings and views and just getting it up in the, in, the, in the search engines. Also, subscribing on YouTube if you're watching over there. The next way you can help is via Patreon. Uh, Patreon is, is a fantastic platform uh, which I know you're just starting to use and thank you very much to Diane Gibbs and Dave uh, Clayton for, for helping me out over there and for being the first two backers. Uh, yeah, if, you've got, if you've got the money, then please do uh, help. Uh, we've got a lot of things to pay for on this Creative Awful Podcast tour. Um, it, it's, it's very expensive doing a tour around the UK, which I'm finding out. But yeah, uh, Patreon, uh, down in the description, is linked. Uh, any contributions is really appreciated. Next up would be the Creative Waffle event in November. We're doing a live event in London, uh, 15th of November. You can get tickets down in the description. Again, mentioned down in the description. Uh, everything is, is down there, uh, all the links to all these things. The last way you can help out the show would be to back my latest Kickstarter. Uh, that is a personal project I'm doing. It's, it's a set of illustrated football cards. If you like football or if you're interested in my work, then uh, again, the link down in the description. Uh, we can go and check out that Kickstarter. It's a, it's a deck of cards, um, footballing legends, uh, illustrated by myself, which I'm really looking forward to uh, hopefully producing and making them and put them out into the world as my own little bit of uh, creative spark. And this podcast is brought to you by Awesome Merchandise. So yeah, uh, that's ways you can help out the show. Uh, this is my podcast with Dan Evans. Uh, hope you enjoy it. This is it. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, I we start off with who you are and your background and what you do. Um, my name's Dan Evans. I'm uh, a freelance illustrator. Uh, Background-wise, do you mean like what did I study? Yeah, so stuff? education. Uh, how did you become an illustrator? That sort of stuff. Um, I did. I studied illustration um, at university. Uh, I did an art foundation before that. <coughs> I didn't actually get on with my illustration course at all. I don't think it helped me hugely. Right. My tutor, on my very last day of the three-year course, told me to quit and sign on because I'd never make it as an illustrator. Damn. Yeah. Do you think, um, I always wonder when, when teachers do that, do you think they're uh, trying to push you in a direction of, you know, uh, sort of the sp- spark the fire to get you to do it or not? I've... I thought about it a lot because it did. Ha- it had a massive impact on yeah. me. To be honest, I, I like didn't draw for three years or something Jesus. after that. Um, and I have thought about it since, and obviously spoken to friends about it, and and uh, and I think that that argument would make more sense if he'd have done it a year into the three-year course, say, uh, yeah. where I had like the thing about pulling someone apart is then you're supposed to help build them back up again. Mm. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Whereas just pulling me apart and then going, see you later. Because yeah. it was li- that was it. That was the last day of, that was the last day of my course. Yeah, like that was three it? years worth of, uh, that's what it felt like. It was like three years just wasted. Um, and I think it was. I just wanted to learn. Art foundation was incredible for me because you're suddenly around all these like-minded people, people who just wanted to create art and draw and there were other illustrators on the course and obviously 
coming through school, you know, you do art A level and stuff, and yeah. there's other people who are good at it, but there's a less, it's less sort of condensed. So Art Foundation just blew my mind, like a whole school of people who wanted to draw pictures, basically. Yeah. And they taught me how to get better at drawing. We did loads and loads of life drawing, and they taught, you know, there was, it was like the, the skills, and I thought degree would carry that on. And obviously there are a lot of degrees do that. Yeah. But the one I went on was a lot more um, conceptual. It was really, it should have been like called fine art, I think, right. rather than illustration. Because they never, they just assumed this is the level you're at and we want to see what ideas you come up with. Not, right. you're quite good at drawing, yeah. let's try and get you better at drawing and stuff. So Did they teach you about styles or anything? Or, or no, nothing, wow, no, right. nothing at all. It's just sort of whatever you come with, that's it? Yeah, which, you know, I was like, barely formed as an, you know, I yeah, didn't have a style, because at that point you're just trying to, you're copying, you know, I was copying from comics I liked growing up, yeah. and you, you're still putting yourself together, so, yeah, yeah that was, so I always sort of clarify, I did study illustration, but I, I, it, it didn't, as far as I'm concerned, it didn't help move me forward yeah. much, um, so I, yeah, I packed it in for quite a long time, and slowly, slowly got back into it, um, and I was working in primary school. I was like a special needs teaching assistant and stuff. I did that for quite a long That's time. Cool. Do you know Phil Galloway did that as well? Did he? Yeah, yeah similar, similar to that, yeah. Oh, there you go then. It's best illustrators to do that sort of stuff. Yeah, apparently so. <laughs> um, That's cool though. How did, you, how did you get into that? Just give it a go. Because I had no qualifications whatsoever. I didn't know. I'd put all my eggs in one basket yeah, yeah. for the entirety of my like education so you know I've drawing is the thing I've always been good at and I've always loved drawing and very early on was like that's that's what I want to do not specific I want to draw comics or I want it was just if I can draw pictures and get paid to do it somehow that's perfect yeah so you know G, obviously did GCSE art yeah. A levels very early on in my A levels my art teacher told me that to get onto an art foundation, which is what I wanted to do, they don't look at your results, they just look at your portfolio. And she right. then followed that up by saying, my portfolio was already good enough to get me into an art foundation. So then I basically took two years off for my A-level. I was like, <laughs> just went to the pub I'm for two years. Yeah. <laughs> so I've got, I've got two A-levels, I think, very bad results in them. So for the, the American listeners, A-levels is one before university. Yes, uh, yeah. yeah, so this is like, end of high school yeah if you're in America I suppose uh, and then I got a really bad degree believe it or not as well so coming out coming out of uni having my whole life been working towards something and then being told you're not gonna that's you know it's a pipe dream you're not yeah. gonna get to do it, it yeah. that was really scary because suddenly I looked around and thought I can't what else can I do like I'm not I haven't tried to do anything else and I haven't studied anything else properly yeah. so education I don't know I'm not saying it was an easy option but I have you know there are teachers in my family and I've always enjoyed doing um, like over the years I've done different like art groups where we working with kids and things so I thought well that's something I'm I think I could get into yeah so I, my plan was basically get some work as a teaching assistant, 
um, and then work my way up to, to redoing my like math GCSE, which I didn't do very well in, and you know all the things I would need to then qualify to be able to then take my te- teacher qualifications. Yeah. Um, but about I think I was three or four years into it, there were a load of cuts. I lost my job, and I'd been drawing again for about a year, and I thought if I don't if I don't try now to, to, to see if I could make it as an illustrator, then I don't think I ever will. Because, I, you know, I was like mid-twenties. I was thinking yeah. I either chance my arm, see what comes of it, or... That's a good saying, that. Or <laughs> I'm like going to have to, like... You know, I'll, have, I'll, I'll find another job. I probably will do my teacher training. Realistically, I'm not going to get a chance to do my... I'm not going to be able to, like, juggle an illustration career and any other career yeah so I just I put all my efforts into trying to find work as an illustrator and eventually I was put in touch with someone who worked at a commercial illustration studio they did it was called monkey monkey it is called monkey puzzle um, studio and they do animatics and storyboards for adverts oh yeah so that I, that was a job I didn't even know existed. Yeah. You know, I'd said I didn't have a plan of like what I wanted to draw and get paid. Just wanted to get. So I met these. I met these. You know, I went in and I met these illustrators, and they were grown ups with families, and that, and they they earned their living drawing pictures. So yeah. that was. Those were the first professional illustrators I met. Like, and I was twenty three, twenty four. It's cool people to learn from, right? incredible yeah. yeah I mean then a lot of them you know they've been in the industry for years yeah. starting off with like pen and ink and paper like that's how old that's how old <laughs> they were no wackos in those days no, no wackos <laughs> whatsoever um, so I started there I was going in like one day a week and just sitting behind them and watching what they were doing making tea yeah. occasionally they might help me they might let me help out like tidying up artwork and things and I just built slowly slowly then I'd be going in like two days a week mm. and then I think they had they had a big project uh, that I that they needed an extra pair of hands on so they let me come in for like the whole week to work on this project and uh, you know I was getting like a bit of cash in hand at the end of it yeah. um, no tax no, <laughs> and um, but that was it that was how I that, and actually that was also my my first uh my first time working digitally because mm. up until that point you know I've been working in my bedroom I've been working like at uni or, or yeah, our yeah, foundation yeah. you know it's all sort of pen and ink and pen, pastels and that kind of thing so I starting there I also learned how to use photoshop and working tablets and, and so what, when was this then what photoshop did you have it would have been like CS3 maybe Early, yeah so the last job I worked at, and this was very much since twenty eighteen, has CS three. Yeah, I mean to be honest, I like. only stopped using it CS three last year. Like yeah, I'm yeah, so, yeah. I'll learn how to use one thing and then be like, I can't. That's Not it. even like, like CS six. Like. No, no. I mean I am now because I finally had to. I think I can't remember. I think my computer. You're on CC or are you still on CS six? No, I'm on CC now. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's what I, I think. My my iMac broke I had to upgrade it because I didn't have this CS6 which got installed yeah I mean I had I had like obviously as a student and stuff I just had like cracked copies of it you know mm. like bootleg but if anyone had, if anyone's got a copy of CS6 now 
and wants to give it to me, I'd happily cancel my CC <laughs> membership. It's so expensive, it's like 50, 50 quid a month now for CC. Like, I don't know how people afford it. <laughs> well, because I've, I've, I've just pared it down to just Photoshop because oh, I couldn't okay. afford the whole, like, yeah. but even that is still, to have to pay so monthly, I don't, I don't know. I've, I don't feel good about that. Like I feel, yeah. I don't know. I've recently got um, an iPad and yeah. Procreate and that's, that's a tenner. Exactly. Like not tenner a month, Just a tenner. Yeah. I don't know how they, they make money. Like they must just have so many people buying it. I think they do. I think they've got, but that, I mean, you know, loads of people are buying it and people are talking about it. And yeah. I only hear people complain about creative cloud now really and yeah and i wonder if that's because we've got so many people using it this this industry status now people don't need to praise it anymore because it's not the i think thing. it is because they know like like you said everyone has to use it really yeah yeah but maybe with things like um procreate coming out um it might i don't know it might shift i really hope that the the monthly payment thing doesn't become standard for mm. software because I, f- I think it is it's unfair if you're if you're a freelance it's hard you, month to month you don't know what you're earning yeah. do you you know so it's 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 really hard to plan that oh I'm definitely going to have x amount every month to go yeah. out and and it's essential for you to do your work like there's no <laughs> two ways about it I know at the start of the month I know there's two things that are going to come out of the bank well three things gym membership uh, parents rent to my parents and then Adobe <laughs> so there's three things I'm already down like 300 quid <laughs> yeah it doesn't get any better it's just going to get more and more going out yeah I mean stressful uh, no but take it back to your story uh, so you decided what, what was was there a turning factor was there any point um, that you realised that you wanted to go back into it and start illustration again um, after being told not to not to carry on I just missed it also do you remember that guy do I do know? yeah you seen him since or not? I haven't. Oh, I'm so sweet. I've looked him up. I've looked him up a few. Like I used to. I don't know. Not that I was obsessed, but he really. Like it fucked me up. Yeah. If, if yeah, well, that's right. That's good. <laughs> and I sort of think, understandably so. Like I didn't know what was going. You know, I was. Mm. I had no clue about the wider world and. And I've had people, and I've thought since, like, why did I let one person's opinion? Yeah. dictate that but he was the head of my course he was at uni I was looking you know I was looking to him to, as someone who would sort of help guide me through it and yeah so when he sends you out He's into the, the world mentor, with like you're shit you should not do this I I went oh okay yeah. fuck okay what do you know yeah so the th- I think the thing that got me back into it was just that I'm I did miss drawing eventually not in a like I can't survive if I'm not skipped like I'm not sort of I don't know it was, do it, it was just a slow thing of actually maybe I had like I had an idea for something and I thought oh I'll sketch that out and I did uh, you know this was all just at home like like I said you know living at mum and dad's up in the loft and slowly started doing some stuff in sketchbooks or doing a t-shirt design or and I think around that time I I got a blog, like not to write anything, but like I, I didn't have a website, I didn't mm. have anything. So I started my first foray into sort of online yeah. presence. So what sort of, when was this? What sort of year? Uh, 
I don't know, like early two thousand, no, mid two thousands, probably. Okay. Or two thousand five or yeah, like two thousand and four, probably two thousand five. So I had a like a blog spot, blog, which I don't, I don't even. I, my blog's still out there. Like, don't. Do you know what it's called? I do. I'm not telling you. Um, but that was so I did that, and um, I think. What else was I doing around that time? Blog. I might have bought. I think I bought a domain name which yeah. is the same one I've got now. Nice. I, I draw for food, which is why it's a stupid name, because I was like... There are people that do... There are people that, did you ever do that? Like, people do sign... Um, uh, what's it called? They, they, they hand-draw signs for restaurant food, like lunches. Did you ever do that? Oh, yeah, no, oh, I never did. Are so good? No, I never did. It was yeah. just a stupid name. I was just, you know... Because people do... People, I think they're called, like, I draw for food or I draw for lunch or... Yeah. On Instagram, and it's brilliant. Oh, there's some great... I follow some great people um, who do food... Illust- like, food illustration is yeah. amazing. What, like of food or... Yeah, of food. Right. Yeah. Oh, I didn't yeah, see yeah. that. Huh. So, yeah, sorry. That's your story. So you're living in a loft as well? Living in a loft. Uh, yeah, loft. I think just... just yeah, converted. <laughs> just Not in just the loft. like the crawl space. <laughs> Spiders and everything. I think I, yeah I just I just something I I missed doing and that was quite nice because I initially you're just doing it for yourself because I was still like well I'm not going to be an illustrator but I can still draw pictures and and see you know what comes of it um and so when I I think when I first started at the studio when I was sort of the apprentice at the studio that was when it really started to ramp up because I was sitting and drawing every single day yeah. um, when I wasn't working on actual jobs at the studio they were fine with me just sitting there and drawing my own stuff so That's I was cool. practicing and practicing and learning like I said getting getting my head around Photoshop I think a style started to develop I don't know like my style well my style's always been quite broad and I and I still get you know I don't have an agent, but every now and again I'll get asked to go into a meeting with an agency or I'll, I'll you know sort of periodically I panic and think I should have an agent and yeah. send out some stuff and I get asked to go in and talk to people, and they almost all of them say the same thing which is your style's too broad and we wouldn't know how to market you. Yeah. Which at the beginning really panicked me, but you know I've been. I think I've been illustrating for seven years now or eight years, like freelance properly. Mm. And I can only say that having a broad spectrum of styles has helped me because it's yeah. meant I've done, been able to do so more serious work. stuff or cartoony stuff or, you know, when clients have come and asked for something, I don't, I, you know, I know that I can do it. Well, not all, I'm not saying I can do it every style, but, you know, by and large, it's been very helpful to have a broad range of styles for yeah. me. That's cool. Um, so interesting that on one hand, uh, agents and art directors often say yeah, it's a negative. Yeah, going down, everyone's saying go niche and find a style. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was trying to, actually I was thinking this earlier on, I was trying to look at your style and I wrote down on the notes style and sort of, I, I put down what's colourful. Like, you can't define your style apart from being colourful. Yeah, I think that's it. And actually, until I worked digitally, I never coloured anything in. It was all really? black and white. Yeah because I couldn't get my head around paints and things okay, like, because yeah. it would never do, it would never work the way I wanted it to work. So mainly stuff I did was pen and ink 
and things like that. So computers have, you know, that was suddenly I was like, oh, colour. Yeah. Can make everything neon pink. It's amazing. <laughs> Uh, what, what sort of stuff like were you looking at as a, as a young illustrator uh, when you just come out of well, after three years and you're starting to become an illustrator again um, what sort of stuff are you looking at what sort of stuff are you getting inspired by um, I mean I th- I've always read comics and graphic novels and that that never stopped so you know uh, I think they they're always something that you you pick up a comic and read and you get a bit of an itch to draw the character or yeah so i think that's been like a constant uh not not constant inspiration but it's been a constant tug of like look at there are people out there making great art and great illustrations and and you know why aren't you doing it sort of yeah 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 or or, yeah i suppose so why aren't i doing it not that i've you know not like i don't think i've got the patience to do a whole comic to be honest but i mean that was a Again, there was a point where I thought oh, I'll be a comic book artist, and then you start trying to do a comic, and it took me how many months to do two pages, and I'm yeah. like, well, that's not a job then. Now, unless someone's paying you ten grand a page or whatever. Marvel <laughs> um, or in your case. <laughs> yeah. So, like, comic book artists are incredible. That you know the yeah. the speed and and the the sort of the amount of work they can get through is astounding. Do you, do you know uh, Paul uh, Trevelyan? The guy who draws footballers. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. I'm I'm interviewing him like the next week, and it, I, his stuff's incredible. He's a, like the um, I can't remember what it's called. He did the football the, the you are the referee books you are the yeah. umpire books yeah and the detailed illustration and just the amount of the thickness is like that as well. But I, I mean, I can't he's, get it. I'm to ask him about it. He's been going since like yeah, he well he's in his eighties I think. Is it? The, yeah. So I was going to say the forties. So maybe. He's when was he born? Like, like, 40. No, from the forties. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I think I was born like, in the forties. Like. Yeah, because he did um, an illustration of Winston Churchill and got Winston Churchill to sign it. Yeah, I mean, it's the, only, it's the only drawing of Winston Churchill smiling apparently that he signed. I was, not to. This sounds like I'm just bigging myself up, but <laughs> in the last issue of Four Four Two, you know, they did the 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 world's best football illustrators. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was on that list Guess he's on it, yeah. with him as well. <laughs> Was Paul on it? Yeah. Damn. And nice. and like, you know, I he's he's been like a constant my whole life. Like I used to, you know, you are the ref, and you'd see his illustrations in the back of newspapers and stuff from as far back as I can remember. I think his style is so. Um, you, as soon as you see his work, you know, sense, yeah. you know, even when he's doing it, like he does cricket illustrations and yeah. stuff. But so that was yeah to be on that list, and he was on there as well. I mean, it's ridiculous, isn't it, really, that uh, we're both on there? It's, it's a hard list, though, because I spoke to speaking to people that weren't on it like the, day, the other days, and, yeah, they probably definitely should be on that list, shouldn't they? <laughs> it's <laughs> tough, yeah, there were... You can't really nail it down to 20 or whatever, how many it was. It's interesting, because I feel like in the last few years, you, you, as you realise you're part of this community of football illustrators... You you know, like you said, the Daves and everything, you know, you're talking to them on Instagram or Twitter yeah. and you start to become like mates or online mates yeah. anyway. And you realise it is this little community. And when that list came out, there were loads of names on it. You're like, oh, he made, he's on there and he's on there. But there were some omissions that you think, hang on, like, I, I, like why weren't they on there? Or, you know. Yeah, don't name any. 
No, I'm not going to name <laughs> any, but... Yeah, um, we sort of skipped off, skipped over what, what we were talking about. Um, education, living at home, taking back, I don't know, you take your journey, what are we talking about? Um, how I, well, getting getting into digital stuff yeah. and being able to sit and Use draw colour, all day, yeah. basically, which, I mean, I get, I get, um, you know, I get students and stuff emailing me fairly often asking for advice and how to get onto the path that you're on, that, you know, that I'm on or that, you know, want to be illustrators and obviously I hope that I got some practical advice, but things like finding yourself as a apprentice in a, mm. in an illustration studio, that's part luck. Obviously you've got to make the most of the opportunity when you get it. It's, it's a very hard, there's not like a linear, if you do this, this and this. That's the thing. Uh, I've always looked for that. I always, always try to figure it out as well, but it's really hard to do. I think it would take days and hours to, to see what everyone's done and try and figure out a real common common goal. I think what I would say, which might you might be able to use more generally, is the fact that I didn't have a specific, like, I want to be a, um, a, you know, a comic book illustrator or I want to be a kids book illustrator. I was very like I was. I just wanted to to get better at drawing and mm. hopefully earn some money from it. So I went to this stu- studio. As I said, they did they did a job that I didn't know existed. Like, obviously, I knew storyboards were a thing, but in terms of like for adverts and and yeah. animatics and things, and instead of being like, well, that's not that's not what I want to do. Like, I don't want to sit and draw kitchens for a for a you know for a SIF advert or whatever. Mm. I was like this is amazing these guys are going to help me get better at drawing yeah and, and i can learn from them so i do i do think as a piece of advice like finding your way into any place where you're going to be able to learn from people and um improve as an as an artist and as an illustrator is is important and even if it's not because I, th- I remember when i'd been there for a bit i had some like friends of mine from school and stuff so, saying like well, that's you don't want you know that's not what you want to be doing that's not what you want to do. and you think yeah. it really is it was really hard to explain but I said no this is exactly what I want to be doing because I'm I'm getting paid and, I, and I'm drawing pictures and that's it and I don't know I, this isn't obviously I don't always only want to be drawing this I do want to end up I want to draw footballers and wrestlers and monsters and whatever <laughs> yeah. but you're not you can't just you can't just start doing that some people can, you know, you know, some people broke my heart. Well, it depends. I think it's, it's, I'm joking. It's yeah. a lot, well, not a lot easier, but there is a sense now, like when I first started, Instagram didn't exist. Yeah. And yeah, like, yeah. which, and Instagram is something I use hugely to get work now. And so I'm not saying, oh, you put all your work on Instagram and you'll, no, of you'll get not. paid. I know that. It's, it but happen. there are, I suppose there are easier, or, or there are tools now that help you get your work seen a bit a bit more. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I think I feel like I'm rambling a bit now. But my point is more. Um, I feel like you know, be open. If you're if you're trying to get into something which is an incredibly difficult industry to get into and to make a living from it. I suppose again with the style that the more you narrow it down, the harder it's going to be. If you're like, I only want to draw this sort of thing in this style or whatever yeah uh, and i'm gonna turn down opportunities to be uh you know to go and make tea in a commercial illustration studio say which 
lots of people did. When I got there, I couldn't believe that there was space for me to be. I thought there'd be a line around the block of artists. And it was interesting because uh, the studio manager, Simon, told me many stories about, you know, they'd have artists in who were incredibly talented artists, but would sort of turn their nose up at drawing PG tips. They'd, you know, they'd want to draw something. Monkey. Yeah, but they'd be like, no, I'm, you know, think I'm, I'm better than that. Yeah. And so then they wouldn't get any more work. And you can't imagine, like, I, those, you don't see those people's names on comedy. It's not like they've gone on to big careers because I think you, that attitude is or can be detrimental to a career, I think. And I'm not saying, like, this is generalising. There are, obviously, there are artists out there with incredibly specific styles and they only draw one type of thing or, and, and they have incredible careers. But you can't, like... I think you're right. Starting out, um, I'm sorry, that was a terrible impression of uh, what's his name? Monkey. Yeah, the bloke. Oh, you mean Johnny Vegas? Johnny Vegas. Yeah. Um, I think you're right. It's a it's a good place to be where you're humble enough to say, look, for now, I'm going to draw anything. I want to be, I want to be learning as much as I can, as much as possible. That's what they say when you get out of school. They say be a sponge. Well, a lot of people on the internet yeah. say be a sponge and just learn everything. This is another reason why I do the podcast is so I can speak to so many people. It's a wide um, subjects and topics and I can learn stuff about the creative industry not just design not just illustration not just sports design but um, so many people and so many different people's takes on it I can get all of that and make my own take and I think that's what eventually it is with a style you, you sort of get in so, much, so many different bits you put your hands in different pots and eventually you're making your own thing yeah and I think if you look at um, you know there's like say Dan Layden mm. He, I, like, I love the stuff he puts out. It's bright and colourful like mine. But he's someone, I was messaging the other day to tell him this, like, I'm so impressed at how often he's tweaking his style or trying out new yeah. things. And not just doing really it, like but that. being open, like showing people a thread of how he puts stuff together or how he's tried out a new thing. And I think, like, that's... That's key. Like I, d I do try and do that with my work. I, d I don't do it in in such a clear and obvious way as Dan. Like I'm a bit more. I don't know. You sometimes you worry about putting stuff out there that's a bit new in case people. Right. You get no likes. But you know what I mean. Like I guess we'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah. yeah like stuff. But, but he's. Yeah. I think you should always be, uh, like you said, a sponge. Yeah. To a certain extent. Obviously, you get to a point in your career where I guess you're more fixed just because there's an expectation. Clients have seen something and they basically want you to do the same thing for them. And that goes on like that yeah. sort of thread follows. But I think where possible, you should always still be absorbing I think so, other people's yeah. styles or techniques or just trying stuff out. Cause I think you, you know, you do get stale and you know, I've, I, I want to do this as a career, like a full, you know, for my, the rest of my life. If, yeah. If I just start going down one path, styles can be in fashion, but then that the flip side is they go out of fashion. So suddenly you can be like flavor of the month, and then not. I think at it's all. I think it's hard to predict rather than because because you can get people uh, that do like like um, my brain is horrible today. Can't remember his name. Paul. Uh, Paul. Yeah. 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 Uh, who do do one sort of thing and then keep going and going and going and they've done it for their whole lives and it's amazing 
but then you, you yeah so I think I think it depends it's hard to tell whether it's going to work forever or not yeah that's my point yeah so it's good I think it's good to try new things like we saw I saw Dave Flanagan and um, John as well John uh, Sports Straits uh, tried new stuff this week as well and they're established illustrators and so are you. you you don't need to at the moment you probably don't need to try new stuff but it's important to try new stuff because yeah it might be better than yeah you know, some people might find it better than what you're doing right now yeah and i don't know about like for dave and dan and and people that I, we've just been talking about but for me for sure part of it is changing it up for myself like i get bored if i was drawing the same way all the time there'd come a point That's where true, yeah. I don't know, and it, that's not to say you abandon that style completely, but trying out different things, being a bit more cartoony, or, or you know, being a bit more abstract, or whatever it is, whatever. I think it just it all helps feed the overall style, doesn't yeah. it? You know, you take stuff from it. So I think it's also good for creativity as well. I mean, we are creators. Yeah. So if you're trying new things, making new things, it must help, right? Yeah, definitely. Cool. Uh, so yeah, you were saying about likes. Yeah. And being. Uh, worried that not going to get enough likes. Is that something you worry about then? Is that something constantly? Like, I'm, yeah. I'm obsessed with it. I'm, yeah, it's terrible. I go through waves, and at the moment, I'm really in a bad place with Instagram. Um, like I'm just, shit. I get obsessed with it. Yeah, I think, it. You know, I I just see it as validation or not of my work, which is bad. Like I know that's a bad way to be, but I think a lot of people do. It's hard, um, isn't it? Because it, in a way, it is. Like, yeah, yeah. It, of course it is because people are very clearly saying they like it or not. Yeah. Uh, but the fact that they're an unknown group of people, yeah. like that sort of, that should come into it, but it doesn't. In my head, it's just like either people like it or they don't. Uh, so with the real life, say works when you work back in the studio, yeah. And people, someone came up to you and looked over your shoulder and said, "Oh, that's really cool." Yeah. That's like the physical version of someone yeah. liking your picture. Just obviously, it's it's, it's a more um, in person thing it might mean a little bit more but now we're all working on our own we don't get that yeah so everyone's all closed off so it has to be it has to be online we have to look at the likes i did the last couple of years i've i've started doing um do you know the house of illustration the, the gallery in king's cross i've heard of it yeah so they they put on great exhibitions and and you know i think they've got Posey simmons on there at the moment and stuff but they they do fairs like illustration fairs. So they do a, a Christmas one and a summer one, and you can you can buy, have a stall. You pay for a stall, and sell prints or whatever. Mm. And I think the last two years I've done two. I've done the Christmas and the summer one, and it's not. I mean, you know, you sell a few bits and bobs. It's not going to make me rich or anything. But just having people in front of you looking at your work, mm -hmm. talking to you about it is great and it really does you, I, I think every single one I've gone away feeling quite buoyed even the one where I made bugger all money because <laughs> it's it's just nice I mean often people come up and say they love it and they're not going to buy it but I suppose yeah. you know a lot of my work is I can see why you don't want to support your local drug dealer t-shirt or like <laughs> whatever stupid thing I've decided to print but it it does it, it it's quite uh, affirming to have someone in front of you looking at your yeah. work and, and talking to you about it. and like you said really these days most of us just work by ourselves like the only connection you have with people looking at your work is Instagram or Facebook or Twitter the, the I thing I find most not, not frustrating that's the wrong word but like uh, baffling is like you work in London 
Right, you have a city which is yeah. amazing. You have, the, you have what the second best city after New York, maybe. Like I, I don't know, maybe they're the same. For <laughs> uh, like for for talent and people working here and like illustration and just creativeness. Yeah, you have some amazing people in the city. Like if if I had worked in the city, if I lived in the city, I'd be talking to people every day. I'd probably be doing podcasts every day. But I'd be um, all over the place, like meeting people and everything. And just improving by talking to people. I just stay at home and worry about my drawing. Like, yeah. Worry about the so lights. Do you ever go out and draw? Do you like draw? No. No. So come to come to Doodle Club. Like so, this is the thing. Uh, Geo Law set one up. He lives in London now, so maybe get in touch with him. I actually but. met him um, earlier this year. There was a Run the Jewels art uh, exhibition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I went uh, down with Trap Toys. Nice. And uh, weirdly bumped into him in the pub. And like he introduced himself and we you know had to nice. drink some chatting. So yeah, he said he was moving down to London. So but, but yeah, him and also do you know Matt Roth? Matt Roth, no, so he's a good illustrator from uh, Banbury Oxford Way, and they they both set up doodle clubs. Um, I'm not sure Joe's doing one in London, but he did it in Sheffield when he when he was there, and um, so basically gets people to come together, build a bit more of a community. And I was chatting to Matt about it, and it's such a good thing because like you say, we all work on our own. Yeah, and and we can get a few illustrators together once a month. It's a start. It's a start. Yeah. Of, a start of meeting up. A start of um, bringing people together and building a bit more community. No, I think that would be good. I mean, I'd be, I'd be really up for doing that. And I mean, it's a step on from, like I said, you know, that I'd been starting to talk to the, you know, when you, the other football illustrators, that community, yeah. but talking to them and sharing ideas, and you know, they're asked what program I use to work on, and vice versa, and. Even that, even though it's only in the DMs or whatever, it's that's made me feel part of something a bit, you yeah. know, less isolated. I suppose it's it's nice to feel I've got these people I can ask questions of. Hundred percent. Because as we were just saying, you know, you're always still learning. I always want to know more about how other people work, yeah. and you know, and not just techniques, but like client stuff. You know, I've I have uh, illustrators asking me about. Um, you know, quoting for jobs, what they should quote for, and vice versa. You know, I message people all the time saying, "Oh, someone's got in touch about a job, yeah. and they've, you know, they've asked for a price structure, and I don't quite know how to do this." You know, so it's, it's. I think having someone like a, a doodle club where you get to do that, but do it in person and have these chats as well would be great. Yeah, I think it, yeah, it's good. It's a good model. Um, it doesn't take much either. You just, you know, just go out and say, "I'm going to be here at this location, start, kind of start drawing things." Do they do it like because there's the drink and draw that they do in the states? But do they do? Yeah. They do that in London. Do they do that? That's not. I suppose they must be. Not yeah. geo and stuff, but those people do that like in London. They do. Um, there's there's one that does naked drawing as well. Oh yeah, well like live drawing. <laughs> live drawing, yeah. 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 <laughs> I was quite that funny. Just uh, I think it's my teenage mind. I was 21, but <laughs> it's my young mind just being dirty. Um, yeah, don't stop on that. Keep going. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so it's good. Get get in, get, get out there. I'll um yeah. I like I said, I, I Gio told me he was coming down, so I'm messaging yeah, him at some point. Yeah, it'd be good. Yeah, it'd be good to meet up. So how how do you think your your work's developed then? Because you're talking about yeah, styles and things, but not really having one or not really worrying about having one. How do you think your work's developed? Is in in terms of progress progressing from when you first came back as an illustrator? Um. As you said, like color, it's because it's like the boldness of my work has mm. has 
I mean, I was going to say come on, but it didn't exist before. So yeah. my work has become very bold, I think. Um, the speed that I work at, which is something like I, I... So my first really big client where I was getting regular work was Vice, and I still work with Vice now, nice. and I still do stuff for them. And That's cool. But they would often need something done for the next day you know I think usually those ones are they have a photograph that they've got in mind and then they can't get clearance or they can't get a good enough resolution or whatever it is and suddenly they've got a gap that they need filling yeah so I became good at being like the go-to like I can get that done in four hours for you know and looking back the, the you know the quality is not great partly because it was six seven years ago and I'm better now and partly I suppose because you're you're rushing to get it done but that was something that early on I thought you know you don't just build your reputation as a professional on the, the work and the quality of the work it's also what are you like to work with like you know how are you with deadlines all that yeah. sort of stuff feeds into it I would say maybe almost more important sometimes than the final piece is the journey, point, if you know what I mean, to not, get there. Not many people have talked about that on this podcast, so if you, if you want to like go into that, that'd be cool. So, yeah. Oh, well, I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm happy to, for me, that's, that was a real revelation. And again, uh, I got that sort of knowledge from working in, at Monkey Puzzle and... Again, so working alongside these incredibly talented illustrators who are producing like f like frame after frame of like art as far as yeah. I was concerned, just stunning. And I was there really toiling and trying to like copy them basically. I wanted to get that, that's, you know, because I saw this is the, how the industry, this is the standard of the industry. I need to get up to that level, mm -hmm. I need, you know. And I think... I found it very frustrating at times and Simon, the, the studio manager, sort of tipped me aside at one point and said, you know, you can have produced the most incredible piece of artwork in the world, but if you send it to the client half an hour late, you might as well have not done anything. And that really, it sounds obvious, it really does sound obvious, and but it was, more people to hear it. It was, a, it was a, a revelation for me because I realised that there were other uh, sort of pillars that I could build my career on that I was hopefully always be getting better mm. and I would always want to be better than I was but I could become quickly become someone who was reliable or friendly or what you know there were other things that I could do so that that the speed thing early on was my I think that was my go-to, that was my USP for yeah. editors, say. And and specifically at Vice, so that was where the bulk of my work was coming from. But nice. they knew, and I would often get emails from people I hadn't worked with before, and they would say, oh, so-and-so said, you can get this done quickly, and I need this done for this afternoon, can you do it? And I would always say yes, you know, if I had other stuff, because I thought, as soon as I turn one down, or if I send one in late, like even half an hour later than I said I would, that side of my reputation, which is all I had, is yeah. gone. So that was a big thing. And then sort of getting more into it, working with people more, my, my reputation and my career building a bit. Uh, at Monkey Puzzle, I started doing project management as well. So I was like dealing with artists, briefing artists from the other side. Mm. 
I again I realised that a lot of illustrators are dickheads to work with. Like a lot of not a lot of like there are really lovely ones out there and we've just talked about loads of them. But there are some people who are really difficult to work with. They're not just illustrators, obviously, in any in any walk of life. But I because you're freelance and it's like these people are commissioning you that's your money coming in from them why would you not be nice to that like I always just assumed everyone was always tried to be as sort of easy going as possible and I'm not talking about you know if clients are treating you like shit I'm not saying you should uh, suck it up and, and not not push back on things or not be angry when your you know your invoice is another month late or any of that kind of thing but I'm just talking about the general day to day of working with a client why would you not be sort of friendly and take the time to write a nice email back or say you really liked working with them at the end of it or whatever it was yeah, and, and that again was a real like I I was like wow I can I can just be a good person to work with I can be someone that they don't have any qualms about picking up the phone to yeah. because they know I'll get it done and I won't throw my toys out of the pram if the deadline shifts or any of that kind of thing so that was something and I, that's still like those are like my key things now I, I, I always want to I don't know if I've worked on a job I want the art director or the editor or whoever to go away feeling happy with the job and and I don't like I said not just that the illustration yeah. did what it's supposed to do but it was alright talking to me on the phone or dealing with me over emails or whatever and you know so it makes so much sense though because if you are a nice guy, they're gonna recommend you to someone else. Like they're gonna, you're gonna get more work, and you're gonna get known for being a nice guy. And then you, you just know, like no, sense no, but you just like along with all the other things they didn't teach me at uni. <laughs> but a real key, th- and this isn't just me. Like other illustrators I know that studied at uni, the the thing about word of mouth and yeah. how much work you'll get from word of mouth. No one ever tells you that. No one ever. T- it's all about like cold calling emails and trying to get in with. If you do, if you do one job with someone, and it goes well and they like you, nine times out of ten, they'll come back to you. But also they will recommend you. And like yeah. I said, at Vice, the first ever job I did at Vice, um, there was a writer called um, Joe Knight. Uh, she doesn't work there anymore, but she's, she's you know she makes documentaries and stuff now. Anyway, she was someone whose work I really liked and followed her on Twitter and I saw she'd written, I can't remember if it was an interview, or she'd written a piece about ASAP Rocky right. and I'd done a picture of him the week before, like just for myself because I was, again, trying out styles and doing different things. This was just me, just for myself. I was going through like, I'm, I'm a hip-hop fan so I was just drawing rappers basically. Nice. And so I saw her piece and I re- replied to her tweet with my illustration and just said, eh, you know, I've draw- I read your piece. It was great. Here's a picture of ASAP Rocky I drew. That initiative. I didn't it. Well, I did, but I didn't see it as, I suppose, I wasn't doing that a lot. It was okay. just because I had it there. I suppose, in it, like, if I'd been more sensible, I'd have been looking specifically and then drawing stuff for people and sending it a lot. But I just yeah. happened... Like I said, because I followed her, I read the piece and liked it. And I was like, oh, I've got that picture. I sent it to her on Twitter. Didn't hear anything. You know, that's a good marketing tactic. You, know, you could do that. You, know, you could get some jobs out of that. If you drew a piece in response to an article you'd read and said, really enjoyed it, 
is a is a cool yeah hundred percent true yeah yeah definitely More, because yeah. so then like oh, I don't know four days later she sent me a message on Twitter saying can I have your email address nice she sent me an email saying I've got um, a piece coming out on Friday about Jay Diller can you do a portrait of Jay Diller for me yeah. on Friday and that was it that was my first that's so cool it wasn't my foot like I'd had other paid illustration work and things so but when I look back on like you know looking back on how I got to where I am right now that moment was like huge mm. because from that one job that went well she was happy with the piece and she gave me another one and then about a week later as we've just said she'd recommended me to someone else and then they recommended someone else and there was a point where I was working for I was doing like four or five pieces a month for Vice That's um, and through that the whole football thing came as well because yeah. um, there was I don't, it doesn't exist anymore I don't know if you remember it a very short lived Vice Sports and it was run by a guy called Jim Weeks okay. basically just him uh, and Will McGee the the journalist was he did the bulk of the, the writing for it and Jim asked me because he'd seen me do stuff for um, for Vice I did I did like a wrestling poster for myself which he'd seen the wrestlers and so he got in touch and said we're going to do a, a weekly um, art, a weekly piece called The Cult where we look at cult sports stars from all different yeah. sports and would you mind doing an illustration of it? And that was my very first, like, weekly, regular work. And it, they had fuck all budget. So <laughs> it wasn't like, it wasn't me hitting the big time, but it was regular deadlines, it was regular work. Jim and Will were brilliant to work with. Yeah. And that was the first time I started drawing sports stars. And there obviously was a lot of footballers in that. So suddenly, when that... Um, when under like they got rid of Vice Sports, like I think it lasted two years maybe, but suddenly, I had this portfolio of sports work. And then, from that, I started doing work for Mundell. I did some work for nice. Copper because they'd seen yeah, that you, yeah, yeah. you know. Then you could do it. So, and I do. I can. I trace it back to there. Were, there were other big moments for me, definitely, but that that ASAP Rocky illustration, I. I might be oversimplifying it or like romanticizing it, but for me, it really does seem like a sliding doors moment. You know, like if I hadn't have sent that picture, yeah, I like it. Who knows? You know, uh, that's cool. That's really cool. I just love the the fact that you, you sent it out, and there you go. There's just so much has happened from that. Yeah, and I, d I really don't. Again, I might I might be like looking back with rose tinted glasses a bit, but I don't remember sending it with. A huge amount of agenda of like, I want this to lead directly to work. Mm. It was more. You could do that, couldn't you? You like, definitely could, but like, I didn't have an Instagram account. I didn't have anything. Yeah. So that was. I just wanted someone to see my work. Yeah, and, yeah. And say, that's good. That looks like the person it's supposed to look like, or whatever it, you know. So I think it was more that kind of thing, just to get some feedback and get some eyes on it. I think probably what I was hoping maybe was that like she'd retweet it because she had like a few thousand followers, and I yeah. thought. If she retweets it, then that's potentially a th you know a thousand people that might see it or whatever it was. So, I think it was more that kind of thing than she she that it would lead directly to a job. 
Um, so I don't know. And also, like, you know, a few months of working for Vice was when I first worked with Joel Golby, the, right. the, the writer. And I did quite a lot of work with him at Vice, which was great. Um, and we've worked together loads. You know, some of my favourite projects I've done with him. He introduced me to uh, Sam from Monday Owl, so that was how I started working for Monday. So it, you know, it was all like it all followed. What's that, what's that saying? That it's, you're one person. No, must be like you're, you're ten people. Maybe it is one person. So you're like you're certain. I think it's like ten people. You're ten people away from a million knowing a million people, or being connected to a million people. It's like one person knows. I think it's hundred and fifty. Yeah, something like a thousand. Or the network's like a thousand, and then. I don't know, 10,000, I don't just know. Just like spreads and spreads. Especially in social media. Anyway, a certain number, you're really close to being connected to a million people, yeah. basically, is what my point was. Especially with social media and all these followers and that. If, yeah, Adidas, you know, these big companies tweets out one of your pictures, they tend not, if they paid you for it, they tend not to put your name on it. But yeah. if someone finds out, you know, it's from you and then all of a sudden that, that tweet goes big, yeah, you, you know, a thousand people, a hundred thousand people, a million people have seen it. Yeah. It's crazy. Like the BT Sport one, that's a good example. Like the BT Sport Champions Draw stuff that they did. Um, when those guys were doing that, they, they always tagged the artist. And uh, and yeah, the, those those guys that were involved in that got did really well on it, obviously following-wise. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd be interested to know, like I, you know, I'd be interested to know how other people, you know, some of the, the, the football illustrators we talked about and stuff, like how they got to where they are, because... Like I said, I, I... Lucky for you, I've done some podcasts. I know, I know. <laughs> and I, I, I need to work my way through them. <laughs> yeah. But do they talk, if they all they all talk about that, do they? Can I get some good... What stuff? Like how they got to where... It's like this... Yeah, yeah. Good. Yeah, they've done... I always go through, try and do, go through the journey and that, and um, the education and that sort of stuff. Because I think yeah. it's always fascinating. Like, I'd be really interested if any of them were like, yeah, I, all I wanted to do was be a football illustrator and I've worked my way... Because that yeah. would be incredibly impressive. Because unlike me, like I just... I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge football fan, which is why I really liked doing the cold so you've, stuff. you've always been a football fan? Yeah. So how come you didn't start drawing footballers? Because I, I didn't know, like, where... I never really thought, like, where would a football illustration go? Right. I don't know. It, it never you, occurred you to me. You just draw footballers because you like football and you like... Drawing. I mean, I did as a kid. Like, oh, okay. I used to draw... Yeah, yeah. I used to draw... Like on a big bit of A3 paper, I'd draw the pitch from the side. Nice. So a goal at each end, and then I would draw the players and then trace like the balls. Should I mean, at the end, it would be like a mess because I would. I see what you mean, yeah. I'd sort of, in my head, be animating a football match, but really it was just all on one piece of paper. But I'd also do that with like war, and you know, you draw like a castle and a catapult and then all that. Anyway, but I like, I did, yeah, I didn't draw footballers until Vice Sports asked me to professionally professionally yeah. but because yeah. I didn't know like I said it never yeah and I don't I really don't think it did exist even just a few years ago in the same way it does now there's this huge explosion of like Bleacher Report and Copper and yeah. all these great um, social media accounts that have suddenly realised that actually it's a lot more interesting to have artwork mixed in than just the same photographs of footballers or someone scoring the winning goal from the match on Saturday because that's when, you know, 10 social media accounts basically all putting the same stuff out. Yeah. So... It has to be different. Yeah, 
I mean, I don't know, like I've, I was saying to this, to a friend recently, like I don't, I genuinely don't think I'd have the career I've got now without Instagram and without, because there's this constant desire for content and, and pictures and, uh, and in sport, especially because things are happening so quickly, there is this real turnaround of stuff. Yeah. So there's two questions to that. First of all, does that affect your, your look towards work? Um, because it's obviously a very short piece. It's very, it's in the moment sort of thing. It'd be out there for a day or so, and it'd be gone. So, like, do you get sad about that? <laughs> if you do a piece for for a social media account, and it's gone all of a sudden. Um, sometimes, but often, you look at your work with quite quite a critical eye, don't you? You know, you're you're probably always your harshest critic when you look yeah. back. So then, I'm not so sad that the picture I did of Sean Dyche where I could see that like one of his ears was smaller than it or whatever you know you pick up on this little thing and you're like well I'm, I'm really glad that that's gone off that feed now because I can stop worrying about it or, right. so normally occasionally you'll do a piece that you genuinely feel quite proud of and then I might stick it on my Instagram more than once or something you know just to feel like it's got a bit of life outside um, what it does I think yeah, it's interesting. I did I did a piece for um, the Visually Speaking Studio, they're called, and them, yeah. it was for the Champions League. Are they a football studio? Are they football based? The I think they're mainly they do mainly, but they do rugby and okay. they do they do sports in general. I think football's the sort of bulk of what they do. Right. Um, but I did a piece for them working with the Champions League, and it was a portrait of Ronaldo, like. OG original yeah. Brazilian Ronaldo and I, I'm i really pleased like I still am I look back at it and I think actually that was one of the times when it, it went right and it looks enough like he's a, he's a difficult guy to get right even though there's a lot of you know the big teeth and everything yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I did it and it got the I think it got the most because the Champions League put it up on their um, their Instagram feed wow. yeah. and it got the most likes out of anything I've done, I think it was like cool. hundreds of thousands of likes. Obviously, my name wasn't on it, so nah, yeah. but hundreds of thousands of likes. And there was a f- like Luka Modric liked it, and like nice. all these players liked it. But the next That's day, cool. they'd already posted about 15 other things yeah, yeah. because something like the Champions League, I mean, it's not a day, it's not just daily, it's like hourly they're putting new stuff up. So it was way, way down, and yeah. no one was like, you know, no one really bothers to scroll all the way through. But, yeah. So that was something where I remember thinking, like, ah, like there was this moment where it felt a mate. It was like the top thing on the Champions League Instagram yeah. feed, and that now it's like buried, and it's just going down and down and down and down. So but that's cool, though I think as well because it it does force you to just keep doing work. It just forces you to keep having to be creative. You have to constantly be maybe evolving your style as well. You have to be constantly woman with high heels. You can't. <laughs> this podcast is going to be tapped out. Anyway. Um, we're in a wee work at the moment, and it's uh, nice coffee. To be fair, that was quite good though. Nice coffee, uh, but wooden floors. Wooden floors, yeah. People, people walking around. Um, point was, it has to, yeah, it must be there to keep you going quick and uh, make you keep. You, you have to be keep creating. You have to be keep keep on it, otherwise you get thought left behind. Yeah, and you are. You do. Then you're chasing up your last. You know, you want to do better than that. Your last one. So that Ronaldo thing. Like I said, it set a bit of a, a benchmark of like, it, not everyone wants to measure their work in Instagram likes, 
but it's one of the things I think of more, and I and I know that that's like oh that that had however many hundreds of thousands of likes and hopefully one day I'll do a piece that gets more than that and so you're always looking to like better yourself in, yeah, in all the different like yeah, that's healthy as well it. isn't it that's healthy definitely because well, yeah well, you just get stagnant and you just oh, you might if you get to the point where you're like I'm as good as I'm ever going to be and sad times like, <laughs> you might as well give up because you're never you're not as good as you're ever going to be no one is you know you're always going to if you keep doing it you're always going to get better at it so mm. and I think having you know we were talking about the amount of say football illustrations out there and stuff and football illustrators on bad days that can be like you look at all this incredible work out there and you just think what's the point like what why am I going to do it like nothing I'm going to do now is going to match you know whatever that that last piece was from Dave or whatever it is but on good days it's massively spurs you on to see these people doing all this work and and you know to feel like you're part of it and mm. you know so I'm sure every you know every, you have those days where Absolutely. the stuff that inspires you sometimes drags you down because it's too good and you just think you know yeah I made a whole video about that <laughs> did you? Uh, it got some great feedback great support from people but I just I just was in social media too much maybe that's maybe that's what we were going for at the moment you just spend so much time in social media looking at so many other people's work but you're not focusing on your own work yeah. you're, not, you're not thinking okay, I actually like the piece I'm doing. And then you, you're just looking at other people and thinking, God, how can I be as good as that? How, what if I did this? How can I do this? It's a really thin, like, it can be a really thin line with Instagram or whatever, can't it? Because it, yeah. when it's when it's positive, and it, or if you're feeling positive about your work or whatever, you have a quick scroll in the morning and you see all this stuff and it really G's you up to like, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna yeah. try and do something that's Absolutely. as good as that or whatever. But, I do think, yeah, it, maybe not more often than not, but often for me, I think it's the more I'm on it, obviously, the worse it, and the more obsessed I get with likes on my pieces or, or other people's yeah. work. Or, I did, uh, sometime last year, like I turned off um, uh, notifications and stuff on Instagram because it really did get like mm. obsessive. So now, I mean, I, you know, I still, I'm on it way too much. But at least I don't get told constantly to check this and check that. So, um, I think the good thing, uh, the reassuring thing, is that everyone's going through that. Yeah. Like every single illustrator I know, or every single artist designer I know, has that feeling. And we all we're all going through the point of Instagram being our biggest enemy and best friend. Yeah. It's, uh, so. It's and I don't know. I don't think it it will ever not be both those things. Like I can't see a point. Mm. As long as I keep getting work from it and I keep meeting great people on there and being able to talk about work, it'll always be uh, a really positive thing. But it's also constantly going to mean that I'm comparing myself to all these amazing people. Yeah. The level of output as well is something that I'm always panicked. Like people posting stuff every 20 minutes and you're like, how the fuck have you found time to do more of these things? And more, you know, so that's, I think you, it will always just be those you know the positive and the negative absolutely and I suppose just, depend, just depending on how you're feeling you can tip one way or the other with it but yeah it's I think at the moment I'm tipping more into the like yeah. I need to put it down <laughs> yeah it's hard do you go to the gym and stuff do you, go, do you do any exercise no not anymore I used to 
I used to cycle into work, so I was cycling like 20 miles a day, and you know, but at the moment, no. But I the should only, channel my energies into the only, the only reason I say that, I'm not, <laughs> like, I'm not like, trying to have a go at anyone for, for exercise, but um, the only reason I say that is because it really helped me. Yeah. Like, exercise and going to the gym has been the biggest relief for me, and especially at the start of the day, because I'm already feeling good about myself after coming out of the gym. That's a very, like, if you can do something at the beginning yeah. of the day to, to, to sort of get the blood flowing and, and yep. keep your mind, well, keep your mind off work for half an hour, an hour, whatever, so you're just focusing on that, I think but it's very good. Even playing football, well, yeah. in London there's tons of places to play football, but I mean, you're playing five side every day, you could do, but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, stuff like that, going, doing exercise, going to the gym, um, it's benefited, benefited me so much. It is important to have stuff away from your desk isn't yeah. it? away from just sitting in front of the computer all day or, or sitting in front of your phone yeah, like any, it's not a session but like, well, yeah, anything that gets me away from my desk yeah um, well I, I was telling you before uh, me and my girlfriend have just had a baby yeah, oh, yeah, yeah so there's not much free time in my life at the moment so I'm either sat in front of my desk True. or I'm trying to put the baby to bed all that kind of thing so I mean that that's probably been a part of like not getting out and doing as much but I would you know it, it will come that's a nice thing as well that's not you know, it's, it's oh yeah it is. no I'm making so. it sound miserable <laughs> it's not it's lovely like but it gets you away from work still so it's great yeah, definitely, it's still positive definitely being able to step away from work and and have something completely other to, to focus on yeah. yeah the only reason I go into it is because people relate to this and people it's, it's good to hear other people's stories and people talking about this because every time we've done I've had a chat like this, people have come back to me and really good feedback and saying I've, I've been through something similar. I'm sure you'll get a few messages after this saying thanks for sharing. Such well, it's it just it, like, I, yeah, it is. It's one of those things that, like you said, every artist, every illustrator, every designer goes through where you doubt your work or you're comparing yourself too much or whatever it is. But it's not often you get the chance to talk about it or to hear other people talking about it. Um, so, yeah, it's... It's good that, that you're, you know, getting trying to share it, yeah. Yeah, getting people to talk about it. Um, I think keeping busy as well. I think that's been a big one for me. It's just uh, not having time to think about other people's work. Yeah. yeah. Doing the podcast tour, doing like running an event in November, and, and doing my own work is is just don't have enough time to think about anyone else's work at the moment. It's been really really beneficial. Yeah, I'm sure, and I bet that you know there'll be people looking at you going. How's he finding time to do all this stuff? Yeah. You're probably causing all sorts of people to get depressed. <laughs> oh, no. Down on their work. No, I mean, um, but, like, but that, no, it's great that you're doing that. It's, you know, that you're, that you're busy. And I'm, and I'm sure, you know, it's going to be inspirational to a lot of people who follow the pod or whatever because they're looking at what you're creating. And yeah. I think so. <laughs> well, let's see. Get a few messages after this. Why are you so busy? You put me down. <laughs> um, uh, what was I going to talk about? Good point, that's a good point. Is there anything else you want to talk about? <laughs> uh, I, lost it. I lost the thing I was going to talk about. I don't mind. I mean, what uh, is there anything specific you wanted to ask? Any other questions that you wanted to... There was something. I, I just had a thought, but uh, it's all on a similar topic, I think. I was looking at... Um, because obviously Inktober is coming oh, up. Oh, yeah. That's always struck me as a slightly odd thing because people seem to use it. It's like a competition. 
And I don't know, that's, right. I was reading some things this morning, people posting about it, and it does, I don't know, it, se- it seems like a very stressful thing to put on yourself, like a drawing a day. Yeah. I don't know, you could, you, you take it for what it is, or what it should be, which is just fun, and you do the ones you can do, and get them out there. Mm. It's like the 36 days to type, where people do the whole alphabet, plus yeah. letters, numbers. Um, yeah, they, they always seem to be a bit, but I think also, it's ramped up over the last few years mm. to become people see it as a chance to showcase that like that like it's part of an online portfolio or something and yeah. you know there were people I was reading a chat this morning that people who've because they released the list the Inktober list like last month so people who've basically done half the drawings already uh, and they're like that's it's not the point is it that's it's surely it shouldn't be the, like the point is you challenge yourself isn't it it's yeah. just yourself get what can I create in a few hours in the morning today and get yeah. out there not like pre- there, was, there was one illustrator on there who was saying that they sketch out the entirety of it the month before and then they just ink them on the mornings like, that's think, the sort of thing you should be getting paid for like don't make that a free thing that you just do it's odd isn't it yeah it's not fun you're not having fun with that no you're, uh, you're making work for yourself and, uh, I tried it once last year and I did the first day and that was, I was like I'm yeah. not, I can't bother to do any more of these Like you won't do it this year? no, <laughs> no I won't do it this year yeah. well because hopefully normally I'm working on something that I'm being paid for like, yeah exactly yeah. touch wood by and large like almost every day really I'll have a job on yeah. you know so I'm not saying that I couldn't find time to but I don't know I just sort of there's a, there's a limit to how much I can do you ever have a, you have a pot of, say you have a pot of creativity, do you ever, in a day, sort of feel like you can't do any more? Like, that's it, you've got to the bottom of the pot, there's no juice left. Yeah, yeah, often, yeah. yeah. I think that's normal. And when it's on, you know, last night I was working on something that the deadline was today, this morning, and if it had been, uh, like, a piece that I was doing for myself, I'd have quit hours ago, because mm. I was tired... And I couldn't, I had, like you said, my creative pot was completely empty. It just wasn't working for, like, I could go through the mechanical, like, the motion colour, yeah. but in terms of trying to make it better and what can I put into this to improve, like, nothing. And But because of the deadline, you just plough on through. And unfortunately, you then end up with something that maybe you're not completely happy with, but the client's happy, they've got something that's going to make it sound like whoever my client is today that knows that I handed it in this morning that's right it's going to go out in a few weeks time so no, that's fine <laughs> don't I won't specifically say what day this is but no but I obviously you always you know I'm always trying my hardest I, I, I always want to, to do the best I can yeah. but there are times with with deadlines and, and real work where it's not a tap is it you can't just turn it on and off and, and yeah. you do sometimes you are better you're more creative or less 100%. creative I suppose part of the trick of being a good freelancer or, or, or actually making a career out of it is being able to push through when it's when the well is dry kind of thing that you can still produce the work you can still do stuff that that does what it's supposed mm-hmm. to do yeah well keeping it fresh keeping keeping yourself fresh because I know illustrators that you know stay out way too late and trying to get because they've got so much work on a lot of sports, a lot of sports as we mentioned, they got so much work on that they have to stay up till two a.m. in the morning, get yeah. up at six. It's ridiculous. Yeah, no, I've done. But they don't want to take down. Yeah, 
which is fine. I get it because working for some of these big brands is fucking cool. <laughs> so I get it. I wouldn't turn it down. But I mean, the fact that they're still producing such good content and such good like artwork, it's amazing. It is really cool. That's something that I've just this last year been trying to be a lot better at, which is turning down work. Yeah. Because I never say no to anything because you're always scared it's going to be your last job, you're scared about the money. Especially when you're freelance. Yeah. But I think it was, because I was taking so much on, it was detrimental to my health and my work as well, you know. When you're cramming four or five illustrations into a day, there's no way they're going to look as good if you've done them individually over the space, you know, because just you're forcing stuff out kind of thing. Yeah. So... I've recently turned down the odd job, odd job when I've been busy, you know, and only when I'm always up against it anyway, but there's a sense of sort of, I've felt weirdly proud about myself when I've said no to work because it, I just feel like I'm doing it for the right, like I'm doing it for my mental health rather yeah. than like any of the other options which is why you know like my bank account or whatever which is yeah. why I normally take work on so <laughs> yeah it, that that in itself is tricky and you just hope I think part of that's come from feeling s- just slightly more confident that there'll be another job offered like that I've been doing this long enough that like hopefully that client that I say no to will still come back to me for the next one because they understand that I was just busy like it wasn't I'm not being a dick about it I'm not I'm not turning down because I don't want to do it it's, yeah you know and I always try and explain and just say look I've got three pieces and the deadlines are the same day as your one and I can't do it you know so but I think that's that's something important to, to recognize your limits with your workload kind of thing and and I say that as someone who's only just working that out for myself kind of thing also, it must be better to turn work down from the start rather than get halfway through it and realise you can't because you don't have enough time. Yeah. Or get into the conversation with the client and then realise, oh, actually, I can't do this, don't have enough time, I'm now going to have to turn it down. Yeah. It's probably best just to say, look, I can't do this time. I've never I've never done that. I've never and that goes back to got the, through a job and, like... That goes back to what you were saying earlier about being a good manager of projects. It's, and behind the scenes, I think you have to be so clued up with all of, your, all of the money side of it, all of the contract side of it, all of the behind the scenes the non-illustration part to make yourself a good illustrator and that's weird because you don't like as a kid I wanted to draw pictures I didn't want to be a social media manager and an accountant and like you know a a network all this other stuff but as you just said in order to become a good illustrator these days you have to you have to manage social media you have to do all this stuff and and a lot of it is good and this, and I'm glad I have the skills and, and you know, it's forced you out of your comfort zone, it's forced me out of my comfort zone and forced me to do things that I wouldn't have done and I'm glad I have. But it's still, there are days when I'm like, I, I don't want to chase up another fucking invoice, I don't want to have to talk to like another accounts department or I don't want to have to go on my Instagram account or, but in order to get the next job in or in order to get paid for the last one or whatever it is, you, you have to, you know, you have to, do all these different there are all these different strings to your bow basically aren't there these days when you're when you're a freelancer yeah yeah is it something that I've been struggling with which I will say on the podcast I've been debating my head where I should say it but um, people paying you 30 days later after you've done the work for them have you ever had that 
Yeah, all the time. All the time. Is that is that normal? Is it? It's like industry standard, I think, oh. depending on what the industry is. Because I've been I've been getting like a bit annoyed about it because we we do the work, and we expected to be paid thirty days after we've done the work and given them the file that they can use. Well, I can't. Like, I'm not going to give you the artwork when you after like thirty days. It's incredibly annoying. Yeah. I, d- I mean, I, yeah. I, I think it is fairly. There are some clients I've got who pay sooner. Um, some clients who pay later, it's even later than thirty days. But I think thirty days is fairly standard. Yeah. Um, but you're um, right. I mean, it might just be me being an arsehole. It might just be something I need no, to get no, used to. No, I, 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 I think you will have to get used to it. But I don't think it's you being an arsehole. It's just. It's, it's one of the it's many the frustrations works. of being a freelancer and, and you know like we were talking earlier about like paying for creative cloud every month and stuff like it makes yeah. it even harder to plan doesn't it if you do a job and you're not getting the money for that job she's be good cash flow yeah Damn. you're really thinking ahead, like okay so i'm going to get that money then so i'm going to you know yeah it's really boring but i would say save as much as you can like i from the beginning i've always panicked that the job I'm working on will be my last for a, a while and I always have I've got a thing you know so this money will have to last me potentially for weeks and weeks or how can that's I that's a good so that's a separate pot you have like a side yeah that's really good so I've got I've got my like I put as much as I can whether you know if it's a job that pays 50 quid or 500 quid I'll put as much of it sensible, aside as yeah. I can afford it's really sensible and then that's my like if I have a bad month, which touch wood I haven't had one for a while, but I know that I can still pay my bills and whatever it is, you know. So I, it, it, it's the boring stuff, but you know, I would say try and be as sensible as you can. With yeah, your, it makes sense. With your cash. That's a good bit of advice there, right there. Save up, have a cash pot of money. Um, the rainy days. It all goes tits up. Uh, <laughs> it's not, I, like, yeah, it, it's a, maybe a negative slightly negative slant on things but I think to always assume well as a freelancer I suppose you can't assume that you'll get another job straight away like you know what I mean unless unless you've got a regular client that you know oh every month I get so my situation for example I'll be I'm right I'm at home I'm not getting I'm getting I'm not getting regular work okay so I'm getting work from Someone that uh, been, I've been working with and it's been fantastic, great working relationship. Um, but it's not, it's not, I don't know when it's happening, I don't know when it's coming in. Um, I might get two, three pieces a, a month, I might get so a week, I might get nothing a month. So I'm not sure when it's coming in, but I, I need to have that part, I do need to have like a little bit of security to say if nothing comes in, I know I live at home, but if nothing comes in, I can pay my mum and dad rent or I can, I can get yeah, some money. Yeah, I can afford to or, go out yeah. for a night or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's sensible. It's good advice. Yeah, but the the temptation obviously is, especially if you've waited thirty days for it, the money comes in. And you're like, hooray! I can buy myself some new trainers. I can do whatever you know, go out or whatever it is. But through bitter experience, basically, that's <laughs> I learned that for yeah. me anyway. As soon as I get an invoice paid, I don't think of it as that that hundred pounds is my money. I think like 60 quid of that is my money mm. and 40 quid I put away and that's think really about, good that's really mean? interesting and then I wonder how many people like, how many creatives do that because I think as an industry we are pretty bad with money yeah from from what I've heard and talked to people about so so as soon as it comes in 
you're dividing it into different bank accounts and that sort of stuff? Do you have different things? Well, to, so now... What's, as your soon pin, what's your PIN number and bank details? As soon as it comes <laughs> in, I'll give you my bank card now. Um, as soon as it comes in, I put aside a certain percentage that from for tax. Yeah. Because again, from bitter experience, when a tax bill comes in and you go, oh, I haven't been paid for any of the jobs or whatever, you know, my, my bank account is bare. So I've got a tax, I've got an account that I pay straight away, I pay money in that is saving up for my tax bill. And then whatever's left, I put a little bit of that aside in like a rainy day pot. So I've got my tax account. So basically I know whenever I get a tax bill, however much it's for, that I've got the money to pay it. And that's aside. And then I've got my, like, if the shit hits the fan and, and I need to like just live for a few months and I haven't had any work, I've got a bit of money there. And obviously that depends depending on how broke you are at the moment, you know, I can put aside more or less. Yeah. Like if I'm feeling flush and I've been working well, I try and put aside a bit more. And obviously sometimes I basically need all the money from a job to like eat or whatever, you know, yeah. buy nappies for the baby these days. But I don't know, it's it's not, it didn't come naturally to me and it's over a, a few years of, of working this out for myself kind of thing that uh, I just needed to be more sensible with my money. So, yeah. Nice. That's a solid bit of advice there. <laughs> That's really, really good. Okay, so going into the last couple of things, last couple of questions, um, what's your best purchase under £100? What's my best purchase yeah. under £100? Um, the thing that first sprung to mind, this is recently, I bought a jumbo He-Man okay. action figure. I think you put it on Instagram, did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah it's I've like a bootleg yeah. a Mexican. <laughs> it's shit. It's like badly painted, like, and I love like knockoffs. Bad stuff. Yeah, I love knockoffs. Brilliant. Yeah. So I bought that for, for forty quid, um, but at the moment that's like it's in my shelf in my in my study at home, and like every time I see it, I just feel happy. So I would say at the moment that's my best purchase. It's like. The, ju- the knock-off Jumbo He-Man. That's a great purchase. That's really good. No one's ever said that one, so... <laughs> I would have been over the moon <laughs> if someone else had said it. But yeah. Someone else has got a knock-off He-Man from Mexico. Yeah. Um, okay, let's get a bit deeper. Uh, any life advice uh, for young creatives? Or any creatives? Um, but beyond my bank account advice. Yeah. That's, that's as sage as it gets, my bank account advice. Um... <laughs> It's a great bit of advice. I don't know. I suppose this is this is going to sound really corny, I think, but like, don't don't sort of get knocked too much by other people. And I'm saying that from my perspective of what happened to me when I left uni, and that I just took one person's opinion and let it sort of derail me for years. And looking back, it's stupid. And I look at those years as what, you know, missed, you know, I could have been drawing, I could be even better than I am now. I could have been three years ahead of, you know. So it it sounds like a bit of, it sounds like, oh, you know, obvious corny advice, but I really do, I think there's a lot of truth to it that you, you know, and and it's, it's easier these days to get negative comments. You can get them on your social media immediately. Someone can tell you that you're a shit artist. 
and I still take that sort of stuff to heart you know so I'm not I'm, I'm not saying this as someone who necessarily practices what they're preaching but I would say if you if you're passionate about the thing you're doing and you feel that you've you've got something you know you're enjoying doing it and that you feel like it's going somewhere try not to let like one individual comment or one person derail you too much because I think you know if you're doing something that you're proud of you know even if it's not necessarily the work that's coming out but you know what I mean you know you sort of you have a feeling if you're on the you're doing the thing you should be doing you're on the right path with it I think so mm. no I, I understand that one and I'll add to it if I can because the sometimes you you know you want to be doing design illustration you know you want to be doing something but then family members or people that you care about who is that? Uh, tapping on the table um, someone will come up to you and say have you thought about getting a real job as this podcast tour is entitled get a real job um, uh, someone, will, someone will come say to you something have you thought about getting a real job if, you, if you're having a bad month and you talk to them about having a bad month someone will say well maybe it's time to do something else or and you know really deep down that you, you, know, you want to be carrying on doing illustration you want to carry on doing the stuff you're doing you're just going for a bad patch. Maybe it's better to talk to another creative rather than someone that isn't in the know. Yeah, or, um, I think I'm, I'm very lucky. My dad's freelance as well. Oh, great. So I had a someone that I could look up to who was doing it and understood it. And obviously him and my mum were always, they were never ones to say, you know, when I was still like mid-twenties and still living at home and not earning money from what I was doing, they never once said, yeah, do you think maybe you That's should perfect. get That's a real job? So I was incredibly lucky with that. Um, but you're right. I do think if you are someone who is, is, you know, you want to be an illustrator or a designer and your family or your friends don't quite get that, reach out to another creative to have a conversation about it because they're, they're the ones that hopefully will be more understanding and be able to talk to you about it yeah. sort of properly you know I'm not it, it, it is it's it's, it, it's a hard thing to get your head around if you don't do it isn't it like absolutely yeah I can see why you know I definitely someone's parents might turn around and be like right you've given it your best shot but it's time for you to go out there and get a real job but actually you know it doesn't work like that you, you don't you don't become good at what you do overnight what you know you don't become good at what we do overnight it's a it's a real process and you know it's right. I think it, it. I'm sure there are many budding careers that get cut short by sort of a well-meaning but but sort of you know misplaced comment from a parent or something where they tell you to you know maybe you're not quite as good as you think you are and you should just get a proper job. Absolutely. Yeah. There you go. Uh, how do you want to be remembered? Is my last question. How do I want to be remembered? What when I'm dead? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yes. hopefully someone who lived a very very long life um, how do I want to be remembered uh, I don't know man that's a big question I assume you mean professionally not like it's up to you which by my we, family however you want to take you can answer both ways however you want to take it totally your question I just like to answer ask it because it's cool good answer I think 
you know, if I if I stopped doing, if I stopped working tomorrow, I'd be so proud of what I've done. Yes. Because I've for how whatever how many last coming up to ten years, I suppose I've been paid to draw pictures, and that's what I wanted to do as a kid. Like, and I haven't. That's so cool. I think it's that you know the last year or so I can definitely there have been some amazing things some of which we took you know did being in the four four two getting to work so much with like Monday Owl, um, working on social media things where they, they blow up and they get loads of like you know I've worked on stuff working with trap toys and making the action figures I've done all these amazing things a lot of which have happened more recently but even if you take them out. I was still earning money drawing pictures. So I think, I know that doesn't really answer the question. I'm trying to, I think just, I'd like to be remembered as an illustrator. And, and I know that I, like I said, if I stop tomorrow, that that's the case because I've, that's what I've done. You can't like, can't take that away from me. And there is, there is a point, I don't know if you've had it, but like early on where people would ask what I did and I'd want to say illustrator but it's like oh I'm a, you know I'm a special needs teaching assistant uh, this was you know I was still draw, I was drawing but you're like no one's paid me to draw a picture I can't I'm, say I'm, I'm going through that at the moment like I, I already want to do this football stuff and I feel like I'm I'm getting paid to do some football illustrations yeah. right well then you're a football illustrator I, I know I know but I just, I just I'm not <laughs> I just no you are if you got paid to do it don't see myself as soon as I got my first paid illustration job yeah. that was it. anyone asked me I said I'm an illustrator that's it I still yeah yeah yeah. it comes like it does, it does I'm not saying it always feels comfortable yeah yeah. I think that's what it is it's not comfortable to call myself it yet but you will do you'll get there and I think that yeah even though I think it is in my Instagram bio <laughs> I think it is but I'll um, yeah but so I think I'd, I'd just I'd like to be remembered as an illustrator and nice. and, and I can very proudly say that I think like I said at the moment that would be the case hopefully who knows what's coming in the next few years but I've, I've up to this point anyway I've managed to to be an illustrator so yeah awesome that's really really cool glad about that uh, and yeah absolutely uh, one of my last question social media sorry my brain it's alright yeah. social media um, how can people find you <laughs> Where can people find you? How social do media? people find me? Jesus Christ. Where do people find you on social media and how can they get hold of your work? Um, the, my Instagram is danxdraws. Yeah. Um, my Twitter is dan underscore draws. Although Twitter is, I don't really put work up, I just you know, comment on people's things and be snarky. Um, my website is I Draw For Food, so if people want to look through, that's like my online portfolio, but also feel free to DM me or email me and if people want to talk about work, I'm happy to talk about work whenever. Nice. So, um, yeah, I also do my Arsenal podcast, which I told uh, yeah. you about. Awesome. So I feel like yeah, we haven't really I, talked about football much I have so. to plug that. So. Yeah. What's it called again? Sorry. It's yeah. called The Bruised Banana. So if you're cool. very specifically a podcast and an Arsenal fan, <laughs> then... Um, yeah, check it out. Have you seen the fanzine, the um, the poison lasagna fanzine? I have indeed. Yes, <laughs> very good. Yeah, I've been messaging them 
recently because I'd love to do some work for them. Yeah, yeah. They did. Uh, cool. They did a really lovely fanzine with Adidas for the launch oh. of the new kit. So off the back of Adidas, this is what we were talking about. You know, getting your work out there and stuff. Yeah. They obviously didn't do Poison Lasagna as an advert for their work. They did it because they're Arsenal fans and it's a great little fanzine. But Adidas saw it and they got them involved in the launch of the kit. So mm -hmm. they did, yeah, so they've done some amazing stuff. Yeah, I just had a thought actually. I was going to add a question um, on this tour. What is, if you could work for one client that you haven't worked for yet, what would it be? What's your dream client? Um, things you're just talking about them, Arsenal. I'd, I would love to do some work for the club that I support. Nice. Um, yeah, there you I'm go. Really Arsenal. Right. Sorted. Brilliant. Awesome podcast. Thank you very much. Hope you've made a dent into the industry there. Uh, good conversations. I'm sure you'll get loads of messages about stuff. And hopefully, I hope so. Uh, Was that, were you happy with all that? And I am, yeah. yeah. I it's, I, it's, like I said, it's weird talking about yourself, so there's a lot of times I feel like I'm rambling on about. This is why the, this is why the podcast is called Creative Waffle. Cause yeah, waffle. I suppose I the thing is. I love watching illustrators I like talk about themselves and, okay. and their work. Do the same with you. Yeah, but I forget that some people <laughs> might care about my work. This is so. why you're on the show, this is why this yeah. is Because I care about you. <laughs> as much as I dig myself into a hole about your work and being on lists. No, that was, that was good. <laughs> All right, let's, let's end the podcast. All right, there you go. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Creative Waffle Podcast. I really hope you've enjoyed it. It's a really good chat about the industry and I, re I really did enjoy uh, talking to Dan and meeting him in London. Uh, it was a good chat. So uh, hopefully you can take something away from this episode. There's loads of good advice in this episode, especially the last bit you mentioned about banking advice. I mean, it's a really practical a bit of advice too and dividing up your money and, and making sure it goes into the right pots and making sure you have this fund that, uh, that you save for rainy days and also things that maybe a car breaks down you need to spend money on the car or things like that um, it's a great bit of advice to have this extra little pot so yeah a great episode uh, a few ways you can help out the podcast as mentioned at the start of the episode you've got Kickstarter you've got Patreon you've got sharing it on social media and yeah I think that's it I can't remember what else I was mentioned but down in the description below are all of the links um, please do go and, and help us out really our iTunes um, please do go and help us out really really appreciate it uh, just to get the word out or just to, to back us or, or really um, push this podcast further because I feel like we're getting to a point now we're doing the podcast in tour where it's growing uh, I feel like I've got more of an audience I feel like I'm more connected to the audience I'm actually meeting people I feel like I'm connected more to the guests it's, it's at a really good place at the moment and I'd love to see it keep growing um, so yeah anyways you can help out the show we really appreciate it so that's it thank you very much another great show brought to you by Awesome Motion Dice uh, chat to you next week in another episode of the Creative Waffle Podcast or Mark the Waffle episode wherever you see me next I'll see you then thank you very much